Welcome back to Third Base Dugout, episode 95. We are five away from a hundo. And Shelly is almost back. So VCU lost in regionals to North Carolina. And with that, selfishly, we get Shelly back on the podcast, which is a blessing in itself. It is. So, uh, I miss my miss my rabbit hole, buddy. Because you know, even though these last few episodes have been sprints for us compared to the, you know, half marathons that we run before, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's, the the sprints have been fun, but definitely going to take you know a few rabbit holes next week, you know, with our buddy Shelly. But well deserved break, you know, just kind of giving, you know, just understanding needing a day or two to just kind of reset and enjoy you know their success that they've had you know but then also reset and get ready for for what's next mm-hmm. so but yeah man like brian i want to think I, I, I don't appreciate it man these sprints are fun they are yeah they are i like them however this one might be a little longer than a sprint i mean we've got there is a good bit of baseball news to cover and i even took out some so depending on time situation we there might be a little more added maybe we'll see but um one thing that I don't think is being talked about enough, and it's because they're on national TV now, I think it might start getting talked about a little bit more. But have you watched any of the college softball World Series? Maybe a couple innings of Oklahoma. I mean, this has to be the most dominant team that has ever played in sports. Like, UConn women's basketball is probably like, up is probably like number one and then maybe ucla basketball in the 70s or during that undefeated streak but like you look at like the 73 and 9 warriors in 2016 um you look at um i don't even have oh like the like the patriots when they went undefeated awesome super bowl this team and i watched them last night for the like the eighth time in the last couple weeks and it's the national championship between Oklahoma and Texas. Texas was one of the only two teams that beat them this season. And national championship game one of a three-game series, Oklahoma wins 16-1 to one in the national championship. It's yeah, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I would definitely give you that. They are the – with all due respect, they are the, you know, the women's UConn of, of softball. Like yeah. they just pump out, you know, Olympians and, you know, major league softball players at, at a rate. And it's just like, <clears throat> they, they might start changing the college world series to like the Oklahoma invitational. And like, <laughs> who's going to play them there and who's going to hang in the best with them. Um, because every, I would dare say that every young girl that wants to play softball, you know, kind of wants to look at Oklahoma, you know, the same way that a guy does when he wants to play, uh, you know, if he wants to play basketball, it's like Carolina Duke or somebody like that. But, you know, it's definitely, you know, Oklahoma softball, you know, so um, great, great culture that's been set there for them. And the fact that they've been like more successful than like their football team is 
you know, it's it's a kudos to their to their softball coach, but you you like, you know, not many, not many power five schools are gonna have their softball team be anywhere close than than what Oklahoma is. So yeah, yeah, it is crazy, man. I mean, they in their like fifty eight or so wins this season, they have had thirty nine mercy rules. So that's being up eight after five innings. They're, they're playing like they didn't get paid for the hour. By, yeah, like you're winning more games by mercy rule than you are like close. Right. That's unbelievable. I've never yeah. seen anything like it. And right now they're actually losing two to nothing in the third inning of game two. So um, the, the final score of that game is probably going to be like 10 to two. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. <laughs> no um, last thing on this. So last night they were up, gosh, like 14 to one. It was like the fifth or sixth inning. And, uh, and one of the girls for Texas was in the dugout crying. And I'm like, you just got beat to a pulp so badly in the national championship that you're crying in the first game of a three game series. Yeah. You're like, it can't be like this all the time, right? <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Like, how unbeatable do you have to be to make people cry in the first game of a three game series? Right. Now, what I've always lo- like admired about softball is that you could low key get away with having two to three pitchers if that right yeah. because they I mean, they can throw every game right like mm-hmm. it's, it's just a matter of how well conditioned they are how their legs are holding up but because of so fun fact for all of you baseball fans the reason that they can do that is because they are pitching with the natural motion of the arm the arm is designed to go underhand when you're throwing which is why baseball players have so many issues with their shoulders and other ligaments is because you're going against the natural rotation of your arm. Now back to the regular schedule show, the fact that they can throw, you know, that many games, you only need like two dominant pitchers, you know, so you look at some of these softball records, like pitchers are like 45 and one, you know, in seasons. Cause it's like, eh, I can throw yeah. every game, you know, exactly. I, I got the ball coach. Yeah. So exactly. Well, Let's get into some baseball um, before we do. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter, Third Base Dugout. Wait, before we go, before we leave this, if when I say softball, uh, women's softball, first name that comes to mind? Jenny Finch. Same here. Okay. I was saying if we're on the same page. Yeah, of course. She's the good. (laughs) She's a good pitcher. Jocelyn Allo, I'm pretty sure, is the good hitter. Like like the Texas, the home run queen. I mean, she is. Dude, there know. was God. I'm, I'm gonna look her up, but the, actually, the first hitter that comes to mind for me, her name is. Uh, actually, if I had to throw out another pitcher, it's uh, Cat. I think her name is Cat Osterman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then for hitters, the first name that jumps out just because it's a unique name um, is Crystal Bustos. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember where she went to school at. Um, also, I think um, Mendoza was was pretty up there. Uh, Jessica Mendoza. Yeah. 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 So uh Crystal Bustos went to oh don't do me like this. Where did she go? She actually she went to Palm Beach State, but the reason I knew her was from playing on the Olympic team. Um she holds the world record for home runs during the Olympic what well, during the Olympic series with six. Mm. Like chick was a beast. Uh her nickname was the big bruiser. So, yeah. Sick. That's yeah, a good, that's a top tier nickname. <laughs> top tier, <laughs> very that much incredible. Yeah, okay, um, so now we can go. 
All right, let's. So today we're going to talk some Angels baseball and the disaster of itself that it is right now. Jordan Alvarez contract extension that we completely forgot to talk about last week. And then uh, Blue Jays are calling up Gabriel Moreno, and we will talk about that and where they stand and why they're calling up a catcher when they have probably an all-star catcher behind the plate right now. Uh, then we'll talk some college baseball, a little new thing on the pod, which we kind of wish we had Shelly here for, because that would be awesome, because he played in it. He knows these teams. He, he follows it um, a lot. And then we'll go into buy it or sell it like we usually do. And then I have a trivia question for you, Mike, which, again, wish Shelly was here, because I would like two different answers here for it. But I'll uh, I'll stick with you, because it has to do with someone uh, with someone's debut tonight. So. Um, I don't think you really have a choice but to stick with me. Like, I'm the only one here this week. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> You're exactly right. Like, yeah, I'll like, stick with I, you. I I'm planned the question though because, like, I knew that neither one of you would get it, but there's like two answers to the question. Mm-hmm. And so I was hoping that, like, maybe one of you would pop like one of the answers, but like, they're two. One of them is kind of a no name. The other guy I had literally never even heard of. So, we'll uh, we'll get to that though later in the episode. So, stick around for the trivia question if you're listening. Uh, play along, try to answer it before I, before I say it while Mike tries to answer it. It's a pretty cool uh, uh, trivia question, and it involves someone making their season debut tonight who had quite the uh, rookie debut. Uh, so let's get into it. Joe Madden fired by the Los Angeles Angels who have lost 14 straight games, which is a franchise record. Mike Trout was on an 0 for 28 slump finally broke out of that but they just look terrible and i don't know if it's pitching i don't know if it's just everyone slumping at the same time i don't know if it's coaching it's definitely front office but i mean that's not even a question anymore but i think the joe madden firing was a little premature in my opinion yes 14 straight l's or 14 straight l's but you had a heck of a start to the season like you were one of the better teams in the American league at the start of the season. And you know, that that is there, you know, that they, that you have that capability. However, Taylor Ward got hurt, who was having a career year for them. And Joe Adele just ended up sucking. Like he he's terrible. The dude, <laughs> we'll get into the quote from Joe Madden about Joe Adele here in a minute, but um, Mike Trout ends up going into a slump, which I mean, that's not Joe Madden's fault. Now, given you could switch some things up, you could help him out a little bit, but he's the best hitter in baseball. What are you going to say to the guy to help him out? I mean, there's not a lot you can't say. So Joe Madden ends up getting fired. And um, I didn't even write down who the interim coach is because at this point it doesn't matter. They're going to go below 500. So um, we can check the tape on it, but I predicted that they aren't as good as they were playing earlier in the year. That thing that was going to cost Joe Madden his job, uh, not, not this early in the season, right? No. I figured that it would have been, you know, in the off season when they came up just a little bit short or, and I think, I mean, I predicted them, I know it's going to sound contradictory, but I predicted them to like win that second wild card or one of the wild cards, you know, in the, in the AL. But I also knew that they weren't as good as, they were sort of like a best of the rest type of scenario. Um, didn't think it was going to cost Joe Madden his job this early, but you know what I mean? From seeing baseball for all these years, you know, somebody has to answer for it. 
you know, and before a general manager pointed himself, you know, because, yeah, I mean, you can't really put it on the front office too much because they were the ones that assembled that roster. They got them off to such a good start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guys going into slumps doesn't help. But when you have that many decisions, you know, or that many situations where you've lost 13 straight, yeah, somebody's going to have to answer for it because the expectations are so high. If the expectations weren't that high for them this year, at least wanting to make the playoffs or that pressure of Otani possibly leaving, you know, after I think it's not this year, but next year, mm-hmm. um, you know, so you're like, hey, we got to get to playoffs. We can't really avoid, avoid any or have any slippage. I think that's where Joe Madden kind of got caught caught in that. So, yeah. yeah, but he'll be one of those managers that honestly I could see if someone else fires their manager around the all-star break, you know, which we'll see those a few that somebody will reach out to him just to kind of finish the season. Like basically not, not saying that as a trial basis, you know, like, Hey, come finish the season. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But I could see him taking over a team so that they can go ahead and the players can get that feel for what it's like to play for Joe Madden going into next season. So he'll bounce back if he wants to, but I can also see him going into broadcast because he has a unique personality. Yes. However, I think, I think the Phillies would be dumb not to give him a call after the season. Um, Why wait, bring him in now. I, I do agree. However, it would be very tough to justify a interim manager just getting canned in the middle of the season. <laughs> but that's what. So here's the thing. Like that's what interim right, interim manager. Like, yeah, manager, like yeah, you're you know, correct. until you can find that replacement, you know, form, and it's not like you're firing the guy all out. You know, you're just basically shuffling around your coaching staff again. So I, most cases, it's. Your interim manager is normally your bench coach. He just gets the job, you know, until either they take the interim tag off or until they find someone else. And he goes back to being the bench coach, you know, in those in most of those situations. You pull up the guy from AAA and let him become the bench coach. And, you know, just kind of reshuffle your org the same way as you would if a player got sent up or down. Um, so, I mean, it would make sense. And, like I said, I think that for them, that would be somebody worth calling. You know, but I think so too. I don't know if he would want to leave like such a everywhere that he's been, you know, for the most part. Like, so Tampa Bay obviously was under the radar, was real chill, real successful there. Went to the Cubs. He made he made them relevant, but it wasn't because of a like a big personality thing at that point, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, you know, it was still laid back and still kind of under the radar. They just played, you know, out of their minds for that year, you know, for them to win the world series. Which you they know, were really they, good. Like the years, like, like a year or two prior and a year yeah, leading up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you go to Anaheim for the most part, you're still under the radar. Like you just so happen to have the arguably the best player, in the game on your team. So you get a little bit more spotlight, but they were still pretty much under the radar. Well, um, arguably the two best players in the game. Well, yeah, now this year. Yeah. You <laughs> That's know, crazy. But then, like, they, they, they have to find the formula somehow. You can't have the two best players in the game. Now, given this isn't like the NBA, you can't just put LeBron and KD on the same team and win a championship in baseball. 
Like you can't put those two type of players in the same team. You have to build like construct an actual team with a like a great back end of your bullpen with solid guys in the in the front part of your bullpen. You have to have a solid to great top three starting pitching with four and five guys that are serviceable. And then you have to have, you generally have to have a star one to three stars in your lineup, which they do. They have multiple stars in their lineup. They have Trout, they have Otani, they have Walsh, who is struggling a bit this year, but they have Rendon, who almost won an MVP back in 2019. They have, I mean, they have these guys who are stars, but it's like nothing has just clicked together. And I don't know what it is. It's like we have these high expectations for the A's every single year because they have these great players. They finally went and got pitching this year that those top three in the rotation, Shohei Otani, Noah Syndergaard, and um, and uh, Michael Lorenzen. And then you add the four and five. You have um, Patrick Sandoval, who is very serviceable, and Reed Detmers, who threw a no-hitter this year. The back end of the bullpen, Ryan Tapera, Rysel Iglesias, um, Aaron Laup. Like, you have everything you need to win baseball games, and you don't. So now that points back to – That's why Madden got fired. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, again, you, you, you listed a whole bunch of names that, you know, if they play to even anywhere close to the back of their cards, that should put you in a position. Like they were I've, at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I, I've said this – Plenty of times from my coaching experience, coaches don't necessarily win you games. They put you in position to be successful, mm. but they can definitely lose you a game. Yep. And I think that, you know, in some cases, uh, an indecision maybe to pull a starter or, you know, <clears> for <throat> your lineup, you know, <laughs> you know, or the, indecision, <laughs> <laughs> the indecision to or the stubbornness in some ways to just stick to a particular lineup, you know, you say, Hey, what could you have done to help trout out? Maybe, you know, and I think he's hitting two or three, right. Second or third, generally usually, usually hitting second. Yeah. yeah. Move him up to one, move him up yeah. to one I because ne- to one, I think. Yeah. So here's the thing. If you, With if him? you flip flop those, even just yeah. for a moment, you can kind of play that game of who's hot or who's seeing the ball better because now that helps out the person in front of them. Because if, if a pitcher goes in saying, okay, well, Otani's on fire, you can live with, in a sense, a leadoff homer from him. And you say, okay, well, that's just one run. But now you have to be cautious to say, okay, well, at least there's one person in front of him with that being Trout. Yeah, it's still the potential for a 1-0, but now that 1-0 can easily turn into a 2-0 and you get Trout more pitches to see. Right. Like you, you're getting him a chance to be able to hit more. And then if he gets a little, you know, if he gets hot, then flop them back. Right. But when you have that stubbornness about your lineup and the unwillingness to shake it up, you know, that definitely goes back to you or leaving a starter in too long, pulling them too quick, you know, all those things. But like I said, in 13 games, somebody had to take the fall. Somebody had to fall on the sword and always. Always. Yeah. Um, I want to go into Joe Madden's about Joe Adele when they called him up again and it, it's so funny but like I don't know if he knew he was on his way out Oklahoma just scored uh two to one so I don't know if he knew he was on his way out when he said this was this was four days ago he got fired three days ago um 
He says, I really put emphasis – or so Joy Dell said, I really put emphasis on defense. It's been my goal. It has been since the season started. I feel good. I went down and worked really hard. I'm glad to be here. I'm really – I'm ready to get after it, which is hilarious in itself because he is probably the worst defensive outfielder in baseball right now, metrically speaking. I mean, and, and if you just watch the guy, he's just a horrendous outfielder. Joe Madden, <laughs> this is such a FU moment to, like, the Angels front office. And I really do think he knew he was on his way out because you don't say something like this for a guy that you're going to manage for a while. <laughs> he said he actually wasn't doing that well. He was like five for his last 50. But sometimes a guy gets stuck at AAA for a little long and you might lose something because I've seen a lot of guys go through it. Okay. <laughs> if you are going to try to justify a top prospect coming back up to the major leagues, try to revive himself. You don't start it out by saying, oh, yeah, he really wasn't doing that well. So, like, I really don't know why we brought him back up. <laughs> and that's why I'm like, there's no way he did not know that he was getting canned before he said that. Because no chance he would have said that with Joe Adele coming into his clubhouse. Yeah, definitely a risky one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know that, that's definitely one of those – uh, I've put in my two week notice and this is the second day. So I'm going to let all my coworkers know how I feel about them before I walk out the door. Um, it was definitely a moment, you know, similar to that, like when you hear the quote. Um, but I think he did try to redeem it at the end where he was like, I mean, a guy gets stuck at AAA for too long and, you know, you lose something there. Yeah. I, I think he tried to redeem it on the back end, but definitely up front, you know, it was. Uh, it's my two week notice, and I'm probably not gonna work the rest of this notice. So, it's like it's like when you're on like your last day, and you know you're on your last day, and you do something, and you're debating whether to do something that would potentially get you fired, and you just yeah. look at the person next to you, and it's like, what are they gonna do? Fire me? Yeah, <laughs> like this is my last day. <laughs> yep. You know, all they're gonna do is ask me to go home a little bit early. I'm still exactly. I'm still rehireable if I decide to come back. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right, well, let's move on from the – oh, actually, really quick before we <laughs> move on from them. So the whole, most hilarious thing that probably of all of this is the fact that they decided to play Nickelback walk-up songs last night against the Red Sox, and clearly it didn't work. They lost one to nothing. But it, it's so funny because they had uh, Otani walking out to Photograph by Nickelback. Great song. Um, and Nickelback actually tweeted at the Angels today, which was funny. It's, I'm going to see if I can find it. I, I liked it on Twitter here. Um, Nickelback. They said uh, they were quote tweeted the, the Angels final score from last night and said, okay, Angels, take it one shift at a time, play a solid 60 minutes like it's hockey. Keep your stick on the ice and get pucks in deep. Can't rely on the goalie all night. If that doesn't work, we have some new tunes coming this summer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. They get so much hate, but like that was that brought joy to like baseball fans who were just kind of hoping that the Angels would get out of the slump. It's like it's just something fun that I mean, if it works fantastic if it doesn't it's the stupidest thing on planet earth that <laughs> you just made all of your players use nickelback walk-up songs and for the record photograph might be the only nickelback song that i know but oh, you have to know rockstar you have to go listen to it after the podcast all right so 
Photograph is the only song I know by Nickelback. <laughs> Rockstar was like their like the first one that really like got popular from them. Mm. It was like number one on charts for a long time. Like long, long time. And then Nickelback for some reason just became like the most hated band on earth. I I will by the millennials. But I will uh you know defer to your expertise. As far no, as what took the, as far as what took them to the top, but yeah, <laughs> photograph was definitely the one that I knew. Um, I would play it and I would actually sing along with it. Um, mm-hmm. And rate like okay, sidebar. My head at times is like a nonstop jukebox, but it will play like a wide assortment of songs from like some country music to rap, hip hop, Christian, gospel, Nickelback, Green Day. Um, it's just all over the place. So I, I honestly think like not too long ago, I was walking around work singing Photograph just because it was stuck in my head. Um, so when I seen that time, I walked up to it, I did get a chuckle. I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> um, listen, okay, so here we go. Let's move into Jordan Alvarez here. So we'll stay in the AOS. Jordan Alvarez gets a six-year, $115 million contract extension with the Houston Astros. I love the deal on both sides. He's one of the best DHs in baseball, if not the best DH in baseball right now. Um, just a pure hitter. He's like 23 years old. He's a lot younger than people think he is because of how good of a hitter he is. Um, and he and, has like an old man face. Mm-hmm. And this, <laughs> I mean, this is a little less than 20 mil a year, which is, I, I mean, I think it is phenomenal because of this. So listen to this. Since making his MLB debut on June 9th of 2019, okay? So, literally his entire major league career is where this starts. Here's a list of players who have hit at least 280 with a 940 OPS or higher, okay? Mike Trout, he's pretty dang good. Juan Soto, it's also pretty dang good. Bryce Harper, hey, he won an MVP last year. Fernando Tatis Jr., I'd say he's a pretty good ball player. Jose Ramirez, he just got breaded up. And Jordan Alvarez, end of the list. Solid list to be on. It's like a who's who of uh, guys right really now. good. Yeah. <laughs> and the only and, reason he's not making 30 mil is because he doesn't play the field. Yeah. And I think that his deal now is going to put him, it's going to sound kind of weird when I say this, but his deal now, the money is going to put him in those conversations of, those baseball circles of best hitter, best pure hitter, you know, best lefty hitter, you know, going because now there's going to be expectations. So people are going to look a little bit closer, you know, at what's going on. Um, You know, Soto, obviously he burst onto the scene and he just had like this otherworldly, you know, ability and, 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 you know, just being a phenomenal hitter. Um, I think he might be the only outlier to that group in a sense from, from that. Yes. We all know Harper's story came up with so much hype mm-hmm. and he's lived up to it for the most part, you know, but I think that now that Jordan got the money that he got, which is a good deal, solid deal on both sides. It locked up for them a position they don't have to worry about now in their lineup. He's a fixture there um, and can essentially be the face of their franchise moving forward. Um but it's now going to put him in those conversations because people are going to look at, is he worth the money? But as long as he keeps producing, then he's going to get more of those accolades of being, you know, recognized for his ability. So. 
Yep. Um, since, <laughs> wow. Since his, wait, what? Okay, so eight days ago, he got his contract, okay? In those eight days since getting that contract, he has hit four home runs with 11 RBIs, has not struck out, and is batting 500 with a 1594 OPS. I'm guessing that's pretty good. I think that's all right. Yeah. He's doing well for himself. Um, a career 290, or excuse me, a career 292 hitter with 78 home runs. 224 RBIs and a 961 OPS. And he is above basically all of those marks right this year so far, batting 299, 17 homers, and a 1025 OPS. So um just, just good stuff from the guy. Good stuff. Yeah. And uh one of the one of the Astros that you can really root for, no matter if you like the Astros or hate the Astros, because he wasn't a part of the Jing scandal. That's true. So that's exciting. All right, moving on. The Blue Jays calling up Gabriel Moreno. This is interesting stuff here. I believe he is the number four prospect in baseball right now. Uh-huh. Um, however, the the reason that we're that I even want to talk about this is because the Blue Jays have a current probably all star. At catcher right now in Alejandro Kirk, which is funny to say that Alejandro Kirk might be an all-star. But if you look at his stats, he's actually the number one among all American League catchers in war, by the way. Uh, Alejandro Kirk is. Um, his batting 322 with five homers and an 878 OPS. Alejandro Kirk, that is a guy who is 5'8, 245. So in all reality, he's like 5'6, maybe 270. So what begs the question, and also Danny Jansen also hitting very well, who's the backup catcher. He's kind of DHing a, a good bit right now, mm. but the, it begs the question: Why are you bringing up Moreno right now? Like, like what are? No one's going on the IR. At least none, none, neither of your catchers are going on the IR. So why are you going to try to go with a three catcher rotation here, and just keep Jansen at? DH or like I I don't know how I, what they plan on doing here. Uh, so Moreno grades out really well as a defender, you know, as a catcher, obviously to be the fourth best prospect. But where his calling card is in a lot of ways is his bat. So I think that in some ways you're probably going to be able to rotate those three guys in as. DH, but what I also think is more likely is you give him a few weeks to, you know, see what he does, and if he performs well, probably, and I know it sounds, okay, I won't pick which one, but one of those guys are gone. Kirk or or Jansen are gone. I think it has to be Jansen. Especially if Kirk keeps this up, there's no way yeah. that they want to make a World Series push while bringing right. away Kirk. But I, Jansen grades out so much better as a defender, which in most days when Kirk is in the lineup, like 
they, I mean, they kind of rotate him and Jansen at DH. Jansen will be behind the play a little bit more, but they also picked up Zach Collins over the offseason, who's a really solid defender, former, you know, highly regarded prospect. Um, but I think that what you're looking at is, is that Moreno has his audition here. If he does well, because the Blue Jays have been playing a lot better lately, you know, they're like, hey, here's a chance to kind of make a push and to try to get a little bit of, you know, ground of, of who we are yeah. um, that if they can do that now and you move a guy like Jansen, whose value, even if it's Jansen and or Kirk, whose value may not be that much higher, you know, or possibly won't get any higher than where they're at now, but you can move one of those guys to fill up some uncertainties you may have, which really the only one that kind of stands out the most to me um, is like the middle of their bullpen. Back in, they're pretty solid, but like middle end, you know, middle part of their bullpen. But then also you can move this guy to get, you know, some prospects back. You know, and you continue to restock your system, you know, that you gave up to get um, Jose Barrios and to get Matt Chapman. You know, it's kind of a win on both sides. And you're bringing up this catcher who who can rake, like rake and play solid defense. So, um, you know, then also might have just been a, sort of like uh, giving the guy a cookie or like a participation trophy, like, hey, you're doing so well at AAA, we don't want to discourage you. You know, so we'll bring you up for a little bit, see how it goes. If he doesn't perform as well, then you still move him down and say, hey, look, you can perform here. You know, we just need to see these particular things get worked on before we make a move for our future. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we'll have to see. They have won seven of their last ten, and the Yankees are about to drop their second straight. Or actually, I believe it's um, – I know they're second straight to the Twins. I don't know how many have they lost in a row. The Yankees have – yeah, so their second – the Yankees are likely going to drop their second straight game, um, this one to the Twins. Yeah. And Garrett so, got lit up for seven runs today. Yeah, five, like five homers. Um, side note, I realized that I would probably make – a horrible GM in real life. Why is that? My form system would be absolutely horrible. Like you're winning. Okay, so you know how you feel about Dave Dombrowski? I would probably be Dave Dombrowski. Just <laughs> <laughs> sell it all for, yeah. for for championships that you don't get. Yeah. No, I'm going for it like every year, like, oh, you know, you guys signed the number one prospect. I literally only got him so I can trade him. Like, yes, there'll be a couple guys that like I'm like, no, he has to stay. You know, he's really gonna be the shortstop of the future for us. But yeah, these other nine guys in my top 10, sure. Give me, give me him, him, and him, and you can have these three. Uh, yeah, I would make like a horrible gym because to me, it's all about winning that year. I could not go to like a rebuilding team. Uh, yeah, at all. Like I would need to go to a team that wants to win every year and go from there. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's do college baseball last, actually. Let's move on. Let's keep it at the major league level, and then we'll go college baseball there at the end. So, uh, buy it or sell it. Right now, the Los Angeles Dodgers have a two-game lead on the San Diego Padres, and the Dodgers have lost some very questionable games this year. The Padres still don't have Tatis back, and they're still two games back of the Dodgers. They are 
quietly putting together a great season. Are you buying or selling the Dodgers leading the division coast to coast? That means the, the Padres, the Giants, anyone else never takes first place in the division. I'm a sale, but I don't think it's going to like it's I'm selling it, but not that I'm thinking Mike's going to win the division. I just think they're going to hit just like a, a slight lull that takes him out of first place for maybe a week or two mm-hmm. and then they bounce right back. Um, that's I, I honestly don't ever recall a team leading the division from opening day to the end of the season. There's a really it, good chance the Mets do this year. Eh, nah, they'll they'll. They'll met the Braves it. are getting a little hot. Watch yeah. out for the Braves. The, the the Mets will met it, and that won't happen. But yeah. um, I, I'll sell it on there. Like so I think that they'll hit like a little bit of a lull, um, and then you know reclaim it and, and, and you know run away with it after that. All right, I'm going to actually buy it. I, I think the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are on the precipice with Kershaw coming back. I think they're on the precipice of going on a bit of a run themselves, and I think they'll get, sustain a lead that they're just too good to give up. And um, I think they'll stretch it out to six, seven games or so, and and not look back. The uh, actually speaking about about the Braves, I didn't even realize that this was the next one. Um, are you right now the Mets lead the division by seven games? The Braves have won seven straight, and the Mets lost two straight back to back to the Padres, lost 13 to two last night. Pete Alonso was hit in the hand um, last night, which oh no, scary news, scary news. However, he is fine, no broken, but like everything came back clean. Starling Marte also went down with an injury. Everything came back clean. No, like MRIs, everything came back clean. So no one's going on long-term injured list, uh, which is good news. They get Scherzer and DeGrom back after the also break. Are you buying or selling the Braves making a comeback into the NL East? And by a comeback, are you going to buy them? Are you going to double down your money for them to win the division? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just that confident. I, I don't know if it's more so that confident in the Braves or like just lack like that much confidence in the Mets. Because what I honestly see the Mets doing is going to be something that's going to like shoot themselves in the foot, right? They're probably going to try to make. So mind you, we're talking about Steve Cohen and look at his track record of moves so far, right? Even if you just look at the bigger ones, it was Scherzer. Well, first it was Lindor, then it was Scherzer. At the trade deadline, they're going to do something stupid and try to add, but the piece that they add is going to take away from what makes them as good as they are. Like they're going to try to do something. They're trying. They're going to try to do too much, and it's going to backfire on them, and it's going to you know flop coming down the stretch would opens up the Braves for them to come back in and win the division. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that especially once you start getting to those meaningful games, Acuna just like he elevates his game so much. 
Oh, he has he, been phenomenal. And he, and he elevates his team so much that you're like, hey, this could this could be something, right? I'm not saying they're going to, you know, repeat as world champions, but, you know, enough to propel them to a division lead. I can definitely see that because, again, he elevates his game. You still have Albies. You still have Riley. Matt, Ch- uh, Matt Olson, you know, is there. Dansby Swanson. You got some, you got some studs there. Yeah. Um, and like, so I think the Mets are just going to met it, but then also, you know, try to do too much at the trade deadline and shoot themselves in the foot. I am going to buy the Braves making a comeback, but I will put all of my chips in the basket for the Mets to win the division. Um, I wish I could see how many chips that was because then I would be. You don't want to know. It's not, it's not many. Yeah, Ferrari Brian, like we got to, <laughs> we're not going to let that go. <laughs> um, however, I do just want to give a quick little shout out to Austin Riley, who is putting together the season that we kind of anticipated him having. Mm-hmm. And no one really realizes it because of how well the Mets are doing. Like people aren't really realizing who on the Braves is actually doing really well. Uh, Austin Riley's batting 265 with 15 homers, 34 RBIs, but 867 OPS. However, in his last 15 games, he's got seven homers, 15 RBIs, a 339 average with a uh, what is that? A 11. 66 OPS. So um, quietly becoming red hot at the right time. Yeah. Like, the Braves actually didn't even realize that the Braves and the Phillies have both won seven straight. Now the Phillies took part in the beating of the Los Angeles Angels um, a couple of weeks ago, but they also just scored the first runs on Josh Hader all, all year. And since like July of last year. Yeah. Well, congratulations to them. They hit a home run off of Josh Hare. Like, I'm looking at like some of their stats right now. They have legitimately eight, nine guys that can give you that could hit 20 homers this year. Like, you have eight or nine guys, and in some ways, this is, these are your starting nine. You know, they can get you 20. You know, on this year, at least 20. Um, I think. A revelation for them, at least from a power standpoint, Marcelo Zuna has 10, so he's second on the team. I mean, his average is trash, but he has, you know, 10 homers. Riley, obviously, we went over his numbers. Um, Okuna is really going to start hitting his stride, you know, around the all-star break. You know, so you look at the numbers he could put up. Um, like, they, they're, they're tough, man. And then, you know, you're, you're not – you're not lacking for much when it comes to when it comes to to their team, especially offensively. The only thing you're really looking at at that point is how is their pitching going to hold up, and then what does the back end of that bullpen look like? And then shout out to Michael Harris, who's come up and you know held his own. Um, he's held his own. 43 bats hitting 256. Like, no, he's not they setting the lo- They love him there, man. They yeah. love him. He had a triple last night. And I mean, the whole place was rocking yeah. after he hit that triple. Which now you can see why they were willing to move Christian Pache mm-hmm. uh, to get Matt Olson. And you say, hey, you know, if Michael Harris can be who we think he can be, that's that's going to be tougher because what he can do defensively 
with his elite speed, but then also you get a reliable bat in there that you don't have to platoon for, that's going to be tough. What is going to be awesome is August, September, and October baseball in the NL East, just between the two teams at the top. The Mets get DeGrom and Scherzer back. The Braves get Mike Soroka back. It's going to be some dang good baseball up at the top yeah. of that division in, in August through October. And I hope the both of them make the postseason because, one, the Braves in the postseason is a very, very fun team to watch because of that atmosphere at that place. And the Mets, um, they are star-studded, and I would love to see DeGrom just go out on national TV and just shove for seven innings in a postseason game. That'd be fun. And then, obviously, Mad Max. you got to love Mad Max. He is a very, very fun pitcher to watch, especially back in his Washington Nationals days, which seems like an eternity ago, which was only two years ago. So, um, And the other thing that helps the Braves, and, and I think even if you look at that division, and I, and I could just be looking at it through rose-colored glasses, but what the Braves potentially have in the back end of their bullpen as opposed to the Mets, right? Like the Mets, you're pretty much looking at Edwin Diaz, you know, he's like your, I mean, you know, he's Edwin Diaz, you know, he's earned his name there, but you're also looking at the Braves who can go. Right, the Night Watch. Yeah. You've you got Matt, Matt, what was it, Matzik? Um, was it Matzik? Was it Matzik, Minter, Smith? No, there wasn't three lefties. Who was the, the righty that was in there? Why am I blanking on it? But now they've got Acuna, they've got or no, not Acuna. they've got Kelly Jansen, they've got Colin McHugh, like they've got ridiculous. And, and you got Darren O'Day. Yeah, you know, I, that you, I don't know you why I'm blanking on Yeah, you you look at them in those, assuming everybody's healthy, right? So even that's assuming that Degrom and and Scherzer are healthy. You tell me that it's a one zero game either side after the fifth. After the fifth inning, so you're going in six, seven, eight, nine, and it's a 1 0 game. I like, you know, especially if you're having to go to the bullpen because you're trying to just, you know, hold on to whatever you have there. That I like the Braves' chances better because they have so many different weapons, you know, they can, that they can beat you with out of that bullpen. Um, that they shorten the game, they can't, they can very much shorten the game. And you move Will Smith, who struggled as to a degree as a closer last year. Still high leverage situations, but you can also go to Tyler Matzik, AJ Mentor. Like you got guys there, yep. you know. So, yep. So that that bullpen in itself last year was very very good. I mean, you had Luke Jackson who had a career year last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Martin, who actually was probably the most inconsistent pitcher uh, in the bullpen, but then you had Tyler Matzik who basically created himself in the. Postseason, postseason, yeah. Um, AJ Minter, who was who was pretty dang good down the stretch, and then Will Smith, who always seemed to just have the bases loaded when he saved the ball game. Uh, but like <laughs> he did, he did. It, it's unbelievable. <laughs> like he made it the most stressful last inning of every like postseason game, yeah. and he would always close it out. I don't think he gave up a run all postseason, yeah. but he gave but, up a base runner every right. single game. No. His whip was through the roof, but <laughs> his his ERA was in the basement, like. You know, I actually I would love to see if uh, if I can find his 2021 ERA and WHIP. Yeah, I, I love it. 
Um, but like I said, yeah, just talking about the Braves and finish up tooting their horn and, you know, we can move on. Uh, Kyle Wright's breakout year mm-hmm. going to a 2390 RA. Max Fried is really coming into that stardom, you know, that people have, you know, put towards him. He's going to a 264. Like I said, you get Mike Soroka back and he can he can ease into it where he doesn't have to feel like, hey, I have to be the ace that I was, you know, on the way to being before my injuries. But then if he just shows those glimpses, like that rotation becomes that much longer and that much, you know, harder to beat, you know, because you go Kyle Wright, Max Freed, uh, Charlie Morton, Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson. And then, like I said, you shorten the games in the bullpen. That That's going to be tough to beat, which is why I give them the edge. Plus with their offense, the capabilities there, so, yes, to answer the original question, I'm buying them coming back in the East and win the division. I'll double down. So I can't find his whip, but he had a zero ERA. Um, had th- only three walks, which was actually surprising, and then five hits allowed. So, um, however, I think there might have been some errors in there and everything too. But either way, it's um, – well, I mean, it was actually not as bad as I thought. He faced – he never faced more than four batters in an out in the postseason, which is surprising. It went 4-3, 4-4, 3-3, 3-4, 4 So, like, a lot of – like, over half the games he was facing a base runner. But – yeah, either way. Okay, enough Braves talk. Let's move on and buy it or sell it. Last one here, uh, Aaron Judge. 22 home runs currently right now, leading all of baseball by a, a lot. He's on pace, or at least was either yesterday or the day before, he was on pace for 65 home runs this season. Which obviously, they always talk about the pace that players are on. No player really sustains that. We haven't really seen it since John Carlos Stanton hitting the 59 in 2017 or 2018, whatever it was. I think it was 2017. Um but fully healthy. And I know you like to play the, the health card, but in, in all of these assumptions, we will go fully healthy. Is Judge sniffing Maris's record? Sniffing it, yeah. Um, How close does he get? Maris is what, 61? Yes. The AO record obviously bonds as the you know. But ain't 50, nobody hitting 72 home runs in the season. 50, 57. Mm. That'd be fun. That would be awesome. Yeah. Because where people are going to hate it is there's going to be some meaningful games in September where he's not going to get a chance to swing. Mm-hmm. He's not. So and he very well could go into September with 55. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah, no, no shot. Like those meaningful games, those those crunch time games where he's not even going to have a chance to swing, um, you know, and he'll finish with like say like fifty seven. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be really fun to see him do that. I, the Tigers played the Yankees last weekend, and we had just come off of of taking the series against the division leading Twins, like. Feeling good. Obviously, pitching staff is still decimated by injuries, but 
Uh, you're feeling good that we were actually scoring a few runs. Also, the okay, Oklahoma's now up six to two. Um, Tit two. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> they just hit a three run homer in the fifth inning. Um, we go to Yankee Stadium, and I don't get to watch the first game. And I think because I think it was on Apple TV, and it's just first inning. Aaron Judge, it's a solo home run but in the bottom of the first. I'm like, here we go. Yeah. Second game of the second game. Aaron Judge, it's a solo home run in the bottom of the first. I'm like, are we kidding? <laughs> Guess what? Third game. Aaron Judge, it's a solo home run in the bottom of the first. I'm like, what are we doing? I'm like, get this guy off of my phone. <laughs> right. Dude, he is a so here's the thing. Um, Yankees fans might want to hope that he doesn't break the record. Because if he does, oh, he's gonna he's gonna be worth so much money. <laughs> yeah, that paycheck, right? That, that money truck gonna have to cut. Like, yeah, you can talk about the Yankees. They got deep pockets. They're not worried about luxury tax. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that sounds good, you know, until they actually look at the bill that's there. Because you still got X amount of years left on Stanton's contract, yep. um, Garrett Cole's contract. Other than that, like you really don't have too many other like extremely high, high paid players, but you're you're definitely gonna be treading, you know, he he's probably gonna push at 250, 270, you know, on his contract if he breaks it. Honestly, that's probably where he's like ranging at right now. Yeah, that's probably the floor, like you said. So you're looking at maybe three, three fifty, somewhere in that range. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, you gotta think Bryce Harper makes for Andrew Mill. Yeah, and Stanton's Aaron contract. Judge, I think is better than Bryce Harper. I will give you that. Yes. Now, given again availability, yes, Bryce yes. Harper is generally playing. Availability. Bryce Harper is generally playing at least 130, 140 games. Yeah. But um, so, uh, I, and I just want to look at look at this real quick because where I, what I'm comparing him to is Stanton. In, in his career, right? Mm-hmm. He really got paid off of like those first, let's say eight years of his career. He got his big contract, I want to say in 2016. And mm, no, I think it was 2018 yeah. after he won the MVP. He went over to the Yankees. So he, he signed he 59 and then signed for the big deal. Let me see, 13 years. So 15 through 27 with the team option 28. So he signed it in 15. And then went on to win. Did he win? When did he win MVP? Uh, I want to say that was 16 or 17. So, oh, so he signed a deal with the Marlins. And yeah. Went over to the, oh, I see. Yeah. Um, the reason I thought he got signed in free agency by the Yankees, but I guess he was traded. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he, so his, his saga was, was a whole thing because it was right after Jeter had taken over the Marlins and they were cutting payroll and there were three deals Ozuna, in place. Ozuna, Yelich, Frielmuto, Stanton. Yep. Oh, my God. His, his, so there were three deals in place because he had basically – he was picking where he wanted to go. And it was either um, San Francisco, St. Louis, or the Yankees. And No, I'll tell you about it. It was actually just two deals. It was St. Louis and San Francisco. And he kind of gave like a deadline – to approve both deals and he rejected both. And then they pivoted and traded him to the Yankees mm. um, because the Yankees were willing to take on more of the money. 
but in that time, in let's just say the first eight years of his time down in, in Florida, he hit 267 homers, 672 RBIs. I, I don't really care about the rest of his stats. We know what he's all about. So we said, what is 262? No, 267 and, and 672. Judge in his six years, granted, it's going to be a little bit lower because he had to go through, well, 2020 was about the same. But through six years, he's at 180-411, but he also gives you a higher average. So in seven years, he's a little bit off of that pace of what he had, but really that's only counting. 16 doesn't really count as much. I was just rookie season. He had 27 at-bats. In the full season of 2017, it's 52 homers. He's not had less in full seasons, not any less than 25. So I think that when you're looking at the floor for his deal, he's definitely at about 250, 275. Yeah. We'll see if the Yankees bite if he ends up. They got to do it. They got to do it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of money. All right. Are we ready for the trivia question? I am. All right. So if you are listening, follow along. Put in your answer before I give it. Wait a minute. Judge is 30? Jeez. He came in the league at like 26, 25. Did not realize he was 30. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, because he's stuck for a long time, and then all of a sudden just became like freaking Jesus on steroids. His his floor might have just lowered a little bit because he's already 30. I don't see anybody throwing. like he. I mean, he may get a high AAV. But it yeah, he's gonna for, get a, definitely gonna get a high AAV, but he's gonna probably sell for first um, five or six five, years. Five or six years, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, trivia. So Steven Strasburg makes his season debut tonight for the Washington Nationals. It brings us back to his debut in 2010, where he struck out 14 batters against the Pittsburgh Pirates. That was when Strasburg was sitting 98 to 101. <laughs> the fun Strasburg out of San Diego State. Who holds the MLB record for most strikeouts in a pitching debut? There are two answers, one of which is a Hall of Famer, the other one, the other of which I do not believe so. No, the first thing that came to mind wasn't pitching debut because I think that was like his fifth start. No, no. I will say. It happened before 1980. Uh, never mind. I was going to say Kerry Woods' 20 strikeout game. That was his rookie year, but I think that was not his debut. Like, yeah. So you said it happened before 1980? Dead. And they struck out how many? Well, that's going to be the second part of the question. Fair enough. Well, okay. okay. Sorry. All right. No, no, well, no, actually, you're... I'll give you that. It's 15. 15. 15 is the record, and two people hold it. Before 1980. In fact, they did it against the same team. Not like they, not the Pirates. The the two, the two players that hold the record did it against the same team. Not that it has anything to do with anything, but it's just a little fun fact. So one is a Hall of Famer. One is a Hall of Famer. I feel like the easy answer is Nolan Ryan. Okay. However, you are on the right track. I actually 
actually take it back. He's not a Hall of Famer. I could have sworn on my life that he was. Why is he not in the Hall of Fame? Okay, so... That is uh, very frustrating. Okay, yeah, continue. Okay, can I get a more narrow time frame? Can I use the timeline? Or a lifeline, I'm sorry. Early 70s. Early 70s. You were close with Nolan Ryan. In a couple different ways, actually. This is this would be the second guy to do it. First guy came even earlier. The name that pops in my head, just because you're saying I'm close, and I think he was around the 70s, J.R. Richard. Yes, J.R. Richard. Boom. One of the two. Uh, 15 strikeouts in 1971 debut Astros versus Giants. Now, who was the other pitcher who did it against the Giants? In 1954, in the year that his team won the World Series. Okay, can I use the lifeline? What's your lifeline? like? What, what are you asking for here? East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. West Coast? Sandy Koufax? No. I personally had never heard of this guy, so I don't know if you'll get it. Also, okay. I'm really mad J.R. Richards not in the Hall of Fame. Looking at the stats, it's stupid. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll whiff on the second one. Carl Spooner of the Los Angeles. Of the Los Angeles. Yep. I guess it have been Brooklyn Dodgers at that point, right? Yeah, probably Brooklyn Dodgers. So, and 54. Carl Spooner? Sorry, sorry. So that would have been that would still would have been East Coast. They played the Yankees in the World Series in like three straight years, and the Dodgers won 1954 with Duke Snyder and the rest of the crew. So Carl Spooner did it against the Giants. And you know it's crazy because I'm looking at his base Please tell me pitched. he's not a Hall of Famer. No, he only pitched okay. two years. He only pitched two years. <laughs> That's he why pitched. I never heard of him. Right. It only pitched two years. Uh, give me a second. Why is this doing this? No, get away. Where did my screen go? Mike with technology, folks. No, because like some random numbers calling me, and it's like irritating me. So let's put this on airplane mode. Okay. Like <laughs> uh, <laughs> some random number calling me. Um, but yeah, he only pitched two years. Um, 1954, he went 2-0, two games started, two complete games, two shutouts, 18 innings pitched, 27 strikeouts. Comes back in 1955, goes 8-6 in 29 games, um, 78 strikeouts. Uh, what was his issue? <laughs> So in those in those two years, that's, just, that's, that's a serviceable pitcher right there. Yeah, um, ten and so he went. I don't. Oh, so he went ten and six with a three point oh nine ERA for his career. Thirty one games, sixteen starts, four shutouts. I mean, four complete games, three shutouts, two saves, one hundred sixteen innings pitched, one hundred five strikeouts to forty seven walks. 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty serviceable. I, mean, I think he realized, like, after his rookie year, it wasn't going to get much better. Like, you go 2-0, and two games, two shutouts, two complete games, and 27 strikeouts. In those two games, he gave up seven hits. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Face 68 guys. And this guy only stayed in the league for two years. That's two crazy. Years. Yeah. Crazy. Now, hopefully it wasn't, like, some tragic – tragedy thing as to why but yeah, i'm hoping not. that would suck um but yeah so that's our trivia question of the week i plan on doing this every week i like trivia questions it's fun Fair. I mean, I, maybe, I maybe we can rotate it to where like we like i don't have to ask every week like maybe you ask next week and then chill the week after etc maybe we'll rotate it get a little different uh viewpoints in there let's get into some college baseball to wrap it up let's go with some super regional picks Sorry, Shelly. Uh, season is come to a close for VCU. So let's start with the first games on Friday. Texas and East Carolina. East Carolina hosting number eight versus number nine in the country. I am going to go East Carolina here. I think that atmosphere there. I mean, Texas is really butthurt about their horns down situation. Like, they really hate horns down. And, like, people in East Carolina literally don't care. So, I mean, they are going to be some butthurt people uh, at the end of this series. So, I'm going to go East Carolina in Greenville. Uh, I'm going to go Texas. So, can I put out this disclaimer while we're going through this? (laughs) Yeah, I probably should have at the beginning. (laughs) Um, To be honest, hadn't watched college baseball like at least national college baseball. I will tell you that I've watched quite a few VCU games because of Shelley. Um, but then I've also watched Lafayette college baseball because of a friend of the show, Kyle Shumaleski. Uh But yeah, other than that, like I honestly probably get to, so a lot of my picks are going to be probably some of the most random, you know, so I'm pretty sure there's going to be some guy that's here. It's like, I thought you knew baseball, uh, but I'm going with Texas. <laughs> Because of the fact that when I was younger, they were one of the cooler teams like to, to kind of root for. And they had a shortstop named Tim Moss, which was a black shortstop that I actually thought was pretty cool. So I'm going with Texas. I love it. They um, have the player with probably the coolest nickname in college baseball, uh, Ivan Melendez. He's going to probably be a first round draft pick whenever he goes. Uh, his nickname is the Hispanic Titanic. Oh, that is pretty cool. And I think he led all of college baseball in home runs this year. I could be wrong. But, yeah, so that's a it's a very, very solid. Like, you want to talk about top-tier nicknames. Yeah. The Hispanic Titanic <laughs> is a one that will live forever. Definitely. That is awesome. All right. Um, this one kind of close to our hearts here. Oklahoma at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. First time Virginia Tech's ever been in a Super Regional. First time Blacksburg's ever hosting a Super Regional. So the atmosphere there. We know how Virginia Tech fans are in their atmospheres. Going to be a pretty ruckus crowd. I'm going to go Virginia Tech here. The lineup up and down might be the best in the country. Tennessee competes with it, but Virginia Tech just they they hit the baseball. Yeah, uh, I'm going Tech because friend of the show Joe Manaply, uh, Virginia Tech alum. Plus, I've had like three or four guys from my high school that I knew closely or played high school ball with. They didn't end up going to Tech, so Virginia Tech's going to win. There you go. 
All right, moving on. Notre Dame and Tennessee. Now, this is uh, this is in Knoxville, Tennessee, the number one team in the country. Like, undoubtedly the best baseball team in the country. They pitch. They had probably the, one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. They have one of the best, if not the best, lineup in baseball. They they do it all, and they play Notre Dame, who has a really really good pitching staff. Probably had the best pitching weekend of any team in college baseball last weekend. So. With that being said, I'm taking Tennessee to win each game by like five plus. Um, though I don't really think that Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, oh, that oh, Mike I'm gonna stab in the heart. Yeah, he, he's not. He's not the the goat. Ryan Fitzpatrick says otherwise. Yeah, Sorry, well, continue. Yeah, what is that guy? Like he has, like he'll play like three or four great good games. All of a sudden, he's just like back to, like he's a Harvard guy. Cut him some flag. Yeah, he should be smarter than that. Uh, <laughs> but I said all that because Tennessee. I, I'm going with Tennessee. Um, they have a guy that throws like 103, 104. I, yeah. I, I don't really care about anything else. Like if he's pitching, if he's coming into a game, then I'm like, okay, they're winning. Um, so yeah, I'm going yeah. Tennessee. Um, also, um, and and plus, uh, with Notre Dame, they still may be on the search for Monte Teo's girlfriend. So we're going to uh, <laughs> disqualify them because they're going to be distracted. I love it. I love it. Um, so also, they have three pitchers who will probably all end up being first round draft picks by the time it's all said and done. Um, Drew Gilbert being one of them, or sorry, I apologize. Um, two or maybe three, maybe, maybe Ben Joyce. Um, sorry, uh, Chase Dolander, number one starter, Chase Burns being uh, a second starter, and then, um, you have Ben Joyce, who I don't know. I'm, I'd be curious to see if they use a first round draft pick on a reliever. We'll see. But I, I think it would be similar to wait, was Garrett Crochet a first round pick? Yes, 11th overall. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was a reliever more than a starter at, mm-hmm. at Tennessee. So, you know, I mean, yeah. the team tends to probably do, especially if you think that he has that Ben Joyce has the Garrett Crochet type of stuff and feel. Um, but either way, you're like, hey, let's even if we draft this guy, if he can come up and throw 103 with at least the command that he's shown, you know, in college, then you're like, we'll, we'll take that chance on him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this team uh, itself is very, very, very good. They are a very fun team to watch if you have not. But um, Chase Dolander is a guy who will sit like 97 to 99 he went nine and oh this year with a two three eight era and uh had 103 strikeouts in 72 innings so just keep that in mind there ridiculous so he will be a first round pick when he is out of college uh moving on louisville versus texas a&m so texas a&m hosting this one in college station i'm gonna go louisville however I think there's going to be a really good series. Uh, Texas A&M is number five in the country, and it is a very, very tough place to play. But I, I, something about Louisville, I, th- I think they're just kind of clicking right now. They actually probably shouldn't have gotten out of their, their regional because of the bad call at second base on Michigan. But um, right before that, they beat Michigan 20 to one. So I'm going to I'm going to roll with Louisville there. 
It's kind of hard to pick Louisville when they have a tie on their record. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> Daylight, my friend. <laughs> so that means that you're not good at night games because you couldn't <laughs> get it done. <laughs> and all these games are under, under the light. So, um, yeah, I, honestly, anybody's waiting for my college picks, be ready to be entertained because I have no clue. Um, We're going with Texas A&M simply because Louisville tied in a baseball game, which I feel like that that should be – unforgivable like if that's the case we could have played you know soccer or hockey or something like no i need wins yeah because they have a tie they're gonna lose this series fair enough fair enough all right moving on to saturday's games arkansas north carolina arkansas played in probably the most fun regional that i've ever seen in college baseball um, that was Oklahoma State's regional where they beat Missouri State at one point 29 to 15 after being down 12 to zero. Um, and then Arkansas and Oklahoma State had slugfests of, them, of themselves and um, put up double digits in basically every game they played against each other. So Arkansas, North Carolina, North Carolina, BVCU. And I think you're going to pick Arkansas because you don't want to take the team that BVCU. However, I am actually going to take Arkansas as well. Uh, well, I don't know if you're taking Arkansas, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Big Sue here, uh, winning in Chapel Hill. Nope. I'm taking Carolina mm. um, because any team that is good enough to beat the Buddy Shelley's team deserves to win it all. Um, that's yeah. And then also because I coached one of their players. I don't think he plays much this year. He's a freshman, if I'm not mistaken, uh, named Brandon Ike. Coached him uh, in travel ball for a year or so. Um, great kid, hard worker, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, being able to, you know, still have a little tie to it, but yeah. uh, take Carolina. All right. Moving down the list, Ole Miss and Southern Miss. This is probably the most intriguing matchup just because it's the Battle of Mississippi. Um, and not Mississippi State versus Ole Miss, but Southern Miss and Ole Miss. So this is hosted by Southern Miss. I'm going to go with the Golden Eagles here. I'm going to go Southern Miss. They have such a swagger to them that it is very entertaining. Um, the even their Twitter account is trolling other teams. Like LSU had a press conference and they were like, and like in the press conference, they were like, we'll be ready. And then like the Southern Miss baseball Twitter account after they beat LSU, like made a meme about it and it was hilarious. And so I think they're doing, they have captured my heart and I will. Uh, continue to root for them because I like mid-majors doing well in baseball. It's one of the only sports where mid-majors just kind of do well and are like legitimately really good baseball teams. So. Um, your story about the trolling sold me, so I'm going to go with Southern Miss. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> screw the Rebels. All right, moving on. Auburn at Oregon State and Corvallis. Uh I love Casey Mize, but I'm not going to go Auburn. I'm going to go Oregon State here. Um, very good baseball team. And I hate the West Coast. I hope the West Coast loses every single game, but I think Oregon State will win. I just hate West Coast baseball because they play like freaking 3 o'clock in the morning every night. They're stupid. Yeah, I'm, I'm too old to watch out there. 
I yawn while we're doing a podcast and I actually enjoy this. So like, let alone trying to stay up until 3 a.m. to watch college baseball. Spoke your yawn into existence. I did. And I was trying to hide it like I was thinking about something. <laughs> said, no, it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work at all. Uh, we're we're going to go Auburn. going to go Auburn. Um, War Eagle. Yeah. All right. Last but not least, UConn and Stanford in Stanford. Um, I'm going to go with the Cardinal. Um, UConn is a good baseball team, but Stanford is very, very good. They pitch very well. They hit well. And UConn having to go all the way out there. It's going to suck, and they're going to be swept in two games. I'm going to go UConn. I hope Mainly, I hope that because I, no, they they're gonna win because. Can I you really find done. a reason why they're gonna win? I can, I can. I'm gonna. They have it. George Springer as an alumni. <laughs> yeah, so my reason had absolutely nothing to do with baseball. I mean, nothing to do. With, <laughs> it pretty much had nothing to do with baseball. They have UConn women's basketball. Exactly, <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, they beat Stanford in basketball more so i'm gonna say that they're gonna ride that momentum and take it take it out on the cardinal you know out there so uh yeah yukon's gonna go cross country win and then go back to to the burbs of yukon with a win i love it um oklahoma is up seven to two here in the sixth inning two runners on so 10 to uh, congratulations to the sooners on the uh-oh uh make that 10 to two Oh, yes, make that 10 to 2. <laughs> Can we roll that back the tape where I predicted this at the beginning of the show? Homer. That is actually <laughs> wild. Um, <laughs> that's unreal. That's unreal. Oh, man. Still not over, though. Oklahoma can still swing it. This game might end up like 15 to 2. <laughs> no, we're calling the final score 10 to 2. I don't really care what else happens. The final score is 10 to 2. Oh, man. Well, this has been fun, Mike. It is uh, nice getting back to a lot of baseball news and having fun while talking about it. And Shelly is back next week, the return of the shell. So, wait, are you, like, keeping track of what our picks were for uh, the, the College World Series, the Super Regionals? I didn't, but I can – I mean, I can remember them. It's not too hard. It's just two of us. So, I can, okay. uh, I can go back and, and type them in. Yeah, just oh, just hold those because like yeah. I think by the time we record next, yeah, by the time that we record next, these College will be over. Yes. Yeah. So, um, hey man, we are a little bit closer to episode one hundred. Are you excited? I am. I am, I and am. it is still in the works for the big episode. And yes. you have something planned too. Um, I do. Wait. I can never remember. Did I tell you who I'm trying to have on for the 100th episode? No, you, you didn't. All right. All right. Which, I w- by, by the way, you've been teasing this since like episode like 72. I so. really hope it happens. However, <laughs> it, it's like a, I think it's like a 60% guarantee. Like there's no absolute guarantee, but it, uh, I'm really hoping that it does end up happening. But, uh, but like, I, I feel yeah. like that you told me that you weren't going to tell me for some reason. Oh, maybe not. I can't remember. 
but yeah, like I'm just excited for what we initially have planned for 100, yeah. which by in our own admission, we probably need to loop Shelly in on this for episode <laughs> Very true. Yes, very true. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I'm excited for, for that. And then whoever this potential guest will be, yeah. um, you know, forward and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so. that sounds good. All right. That is all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter, Third Base Dugout, and um, engage with us. Uh, ask us whatever you want. Uh, we will talk about just about anything baseball related on this podcast. So um, if you have any questions about your team or something, uh, I don't know. We'll talk about it. Hopefully it's not the Angels because that's just a sad, sad story to go down. But we did enough of that this week, so hopefully you won't ask us to talk about it again unless they magically lose, like, 21 games in a row as coming next week. Yeah, they, they might pop champagne when they win a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, thank you for listening again. We will see you guys next week. Go Cards.